0: Klavu sponsors the RePlatform podcast. Check out Klavu Smart Search in Action on replatform.fm to help you find the podcast you're looking for. In other news, we've written a guide with input from James and Paul, replatforming tips for in-house e-commerce teams. Download free at klavu.com replatform.
1: Welcome back to the RePlatform podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. It's myself, James Gerd, hosting today alongside Paul. How are you, mate?
0: I'm good, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I believe you've had a fun couple of hours with a spring onion allergy. Yeah,
0: I have a... I do have a spring onion allergy, which very few people believe is real. Um, but yeah, it makes me very tired and just generally a bit weird. But yeah, so I've had that to contend with. <laughs> I'm stuff. sorry, but
1: the weirdness is not due to the allergy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always said you were cutting edge. So you found an allergy I've never heard of before. But I'm yeah, glad you but heard
0: of it. Although it might not be an allergy. It's more of a um, an intolerance, I think. But yeah, it certainly impacts me and it's not good.
1: Uh, well, glad to hear you're still with us, and it's all good. So, uh, so today we are talking about Amazon, that rather small topic of Amazon and e-commerce. Basically, it's about around how to build successful businesses on Amazon. So I, I, Amazon doesn't really need an intro, does it? Let's face it. If people haven't heard of Amazon, then I'm not sure the podcast is really for them. Uh, but Amazon did rather well from the pandemic. So I think um, 2020 was the best year for e-commerce marketplaces in general in over a decade. Amazon Marketplace sold an estimated $295 billion worth of products, which is up by $95 billion on, uh, on the year before. Um, there was nearly one billion of capital committed to firms who are looking to acquire Amazon sellers and brands. Uh, and it's not just about selling products either, it's about advertising. I think I saw um, data there, three point nine billions worth of advertising were inventories bought on Amazon in the first quarter of 2020, up 44% from a year earlier. So it's a beast, right? So today we're going to explore what makes a brand successful Amazon. So many people sell. Um, not many are uh, hugely successful. So what what does it take and what are some of the pitfalls to avoid? And we're joined by someone who really knows how to walk the walk. He's grown his own multi-million dollar businesses and Amazon from the ground up and now advises other businesses on how to achieve success. So welcome to Replatform, John Elder. How are you, sir?
2: It is so great to be here. Thanks, guys. Uh, James, Paul, great to meet you. And uh, just excited to share my story and talk about a little bit about uh, what I do at Black Label Advisor.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Having, having read the interview you did, I think it was with Dan Barker, wasn't it, you did an interview?
2: It was. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a
1: long interview and there's some <laughs> really good stuff covered. Uh, we'll try to make it an equally tedious experience to you, don't worry. <laughs> um, so I really liked your website line. It says, are you ready to dominate on Amazon? So that's punchy. So, And that for me is a good segue into you giving our listeners an introduction, who you are, what you do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at Black Label Advisor, my website, just for anyone listening, is blacklabeladvisor.com. You can connect on me on there, uh, with me on there. Uh, So basically what I do is I work with, um, you know, Amazon brands that are just starting out. I also work with uh, million dollar brands and just basically if, if, if the brand owner is unsure of how to grow and scale their business on Amazon, um, I advise them. And so I'm I'm pretty much a boutique agency. Um, I work with people one-on-one. We go, we do deep dives in their business, everything from auditing their entire catalog to, you know, positioning someone for an exit. And so basically I utilize all my past experience uh, with, with my great success on Amazon. And then all my uh, consulting I do with all my other clients. And I kind of Organize that in a way and help uh, people um, just stay educated and uh, make sure they're staying in compliance and really just at the end of the day, dominating on Amazon and and growing their business and the revenue at the end of the day.
0: Great. Um, so I'll ask the first question. So you built a business on Amazon from scratch and grew up $10 million in under five years. Where do, Where does a new business start with a monster like Amazon?
2: Um, it really comes down to um, kind of the passion. And I, and I teach this to people who are just starting out as well, that starting with a passion that you're really interested in there there are a lot of hurdles along the way on Amazon. And it's just absolutely critical that you focus on something that you're very, very interested in. Or it could be something that, it might not be a product that you're interested in, but maybe that product is going to improve the lives of people around the world. So it has to be something that you wake up, you're excited about, something that you know you look at yourself and say, I don't need coffee today. I'm going to go work on this business. And so that that's extremely important. Um, and then outside of that, um, there's quite a few fundamentals, uh, you know, that someone needs to know and understand. That that comes down to you know proper net profit analysis for a product, um, looking at the competition, uh, doing a deep dive into all the negative reviews of your competitors, um, looking at the potential revenue, um, and and also you know looking at it from a branding perspective. Like Amazon, you know, used to be a platform where sellers were you know that we didn't have any marketing tools and People sold all sorts of knickknacks, like just random products all over the map. And that the times have changed. So now you have to really think about: Okay, I'm going to go in with a brand. Um, the expectation is you will get your trademark. The expectation is you are going to get design patents. And so things are much more kind of higher end, professional now on Amazon. So you're going into it thinking: You know, what is my catalog going to look like, and how can all of my products complement each other? And whatever that brand story is, how does that fit there? And so that's kind of how uh, people have to think about it now. Um, and it's not just about, you know, like selling like a radio and selling some books. Like that's not, that's not how you're going to be successful. That's not what the guys like Thrasio are looking for or Perch. Um, They're looking for strong brands that from day one, um, they had a goal of dominating their category. Um, they had a goal of um, just providing amazing customer service amazing product quality and, and and just you know killing it in their category
0: and in terms of the product itself, how important do you think it is versus actually knowing how to use kind of amazon and all of the tools around amazon and or does it tend to vary?
2: Um, you will you will sink or swim depending on your product. So you need to live and breathe your product. The tools anybody can learn that where people fail is they are not putting proper innovation time to innovate their product and to really bring something new to the market. Too many people make the mistake of just maybe like innovating like just a little bit, but you really have to come out of the gate swinging and you, you, your product has to be extremely unique. And it has to deliver extreme quality. So, for example, I had a um, um, men's leather goods company, and sold um, all sorts of high-end products for men. And 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 you know, the leather goods market is you know there's a lot of competition. And so, um, in that category, I really you know took a deep dive into like the types of leather, the quality levels, uh, the you know the on the specific products um, tweaking some, uh, product features to make it more functional, uh, while keeping kind of like a mid range price point. So, um, you have, you have to go into it, um, product focused and the tools and the software, um, around that product. And when you're researching, anybody can really use their, you know, everything from jungle scout to helium 10, which, you know, a lot of my clients use as well. Um, you know, those, those tools are really easy to use. They're, they're, and, and, you know, the education that they provide and all the, you know, videos that come along with the software are fantastic. So that's not really the struggle. The struggle is product and product quality and product innovation. Excellent. Um,
1: I have interest. Why did you focus on Amazon versus like building your own e-commerce store?
2: Yeah, so that it was actually one of my biggest regrets looking back. Um, So I I built you know a large business on Amazon over five years and uh, was very successful. I actually pivoted a little bit uh, three years in and launched uh, all my Shopify sites, and so I started you know really focusing on bringing traffic in from social media to my Shopify site and, you know, using the MCF program to use Amazon's warehouses to f- fulfill all my orders. So, um, I wish I had done that sooner. And the reason why is because I could have built an even larger email list. You know, that email list was powerful. It's thousands and thousands of people. So it's fantastic for marketing. Um, so that's one of my biggest regrets, but Amazon is just, it's very, very fast to market. And so, um, even with even with an established brand on Amazon, it was hard. It was really hard to bring traffic from social media uh, or Google to my site on Shopify and to get people to purchase there. Versus Amazon, Amazon has incredible trust with customers. Um, it's extremely fast to market. I mean, once once your products are checked in, it, it is hands off. You know, Amazon is managing the the packing, the shipping, everything related to your product. So, um, Amazon was um, A slam dunk first place to go because of the revenue potential. So, you know, Amazon dominates with e commerce. Uh, There's no stopping that beast, obviously. And so that's where I focused 100% of my attention um, from day one, um, just because the potential was there. And and it really proved it. You know, I I was hesitant at first because, you know, with any new subject or new business opportunity, there's always going to be hesitation. And just because it's unknown. And so when I started, I started seeing sales immediately. And so the sales started to kind of snowball. And then I you know, launched more and more variations. And my first product was actually a golfing product. Um, so that led to other products that led to more and more brands. And you know, the revenue just kept increasing and increasing. So I actually had um, over 100% year-over-year growth um, every single year. And so that is hard to achieve with other business business categories out there. Um, so I focused on that just because the potential was there.
1: And so you, you obviously had a, a big journey because you, you built up to multi million dollar businesses from scratch and nothing ever plain sailing. So the success story is always always mask a load of pain and and uh, and the effort to get there. What what are some of the key mistakes that that you experienced on the way and, and how did it help you?
2: Um, two key mistakes. One was um, a lack of branding. So I didn't have a branding strategy from day one, which I should have. Um, and it was pretty pretty crazy that. So part of my story is I actually met with some uh, ex um, uh, executives from the uh, Richards Group in Dallas, and so they do all the ads for Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A is a you know a huge um, uh, chicken sandwich producer, really popular in America. I don't know if you have them there, but um, you know they were they met with, with, with me through a local business group. And, um, it was all, um, just kind of like, we're going to help you out. You guys are young and, um, got some good advice. Um, so that was a couple of years in, but I wish I had that advice from day one, because from the get-go, I was selling random products. I didn't have a good cohesive branding strategy. I, I didn't even think about my brand story for each of the brands that I ran. And so I was all over the map. And that definitely stunted my growth, uh, just because I was spread too thin and I didn't have a strong story for the brands. Um, so that was, that was one of my mistakes. My second mistake that really stands out that I've talked about before is, um, Unsustainable launching of new products. So um, I got myself into quite quite a pickle. Um, I was um, very very confident. I, w- I had an outdoors product line uh, for kids, and it was a toy product line, and it was very very successful. And I just made the wrong assumption that it was going to take off if I launched seven variations. So um, I just assumed that the market would be able to you know sustain that. Uh, I was wrong. And uh, nearly went bankrupt, and uh, got into a terrible cash flow position because I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, of debt uh, to pay for that purchase order from from overseas, and now um, I I couldn't pay myself. Um, It was it was tough to pay the the PPC ads on Amazon. Um, I had to pay my employees, obviously. Um, So that was a very painful um, experience. Um, So. I ended up selling through a lot of that inventory Um, and some of it I bled um, and some of it, it was at cost. So I, I I tried to recoup my capital as much as I could, as fast as I could, and then moved on from there. And so that changed how I viewed launching. And so it just made me smarter and more strategic uh, with future product lines.
0: And with uh, Amazon, so James has referenced a start here that 98% of new sellers on Amazon fail within their first year. Uh, firstly, do you agree with this? Um, and also, uh, why do you think, or if so, why do you think they fail? Um, and how much of this failure is avoidable versus people not really understanding Amazon?
2: Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality. And it's one that a lot of gurus out there are, you know, they're never going to talk about because it's going to steer people away from their course that costs $25,000. But I have no problems talking about it because people need to have a good, strong expectation understanding of how hard it is on Amazon. And that's not to scare people. It's just for people to have just a good, strong expectation. You know, the expectation is it's going to be hard. Um, You are going to bleed in your first six months during your launch. Uh, This is just part of the process. And so uh, people come into Amazon uh, most of the time, um, you know, thinking that they're going to become very, very rich in under 12 months. Um, They are going into it thinking it's easy. Uh, They're going into it, you know, not being educated. Uh, Things like um, having a trademark is extremely important. Uh, That ties into your brand registry so that that protects you. Uh, on amazon in in a variety of different ways. Um, so unfortunately, that stat is more than likely true just because i've seen it. And most sellers um are kind of doing it as a hobby. They're not doing it as a multi-million dollar business. So um i was a top uh, five thousand seller on amazon and it was it was a legitimate business. So we're talking, i left my, booming career in the construction industry and did this full-time, got some office space in Dallas, had employees. So, you know, most people don't get to that level. Most, most are kind of like working on it on the side and they're okay with, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month. And a lot of people aren't even doing, you know, proper uh, bookkeeping. So, you know, they, they don't even know where they are financially. And a lot of people are, are just in the red. So they're actually not making money. So they, it, it looks like you're, you're making money because you're seeing all this revenue come in, but people don't have a good understanding of the expenses associated with Amazon. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's the uh, that's the reality of it. And what was your what was the second part of the question?
0: Um, so the second part was uh, like, do you think a lot of people fail due to not really understanding Amazon?
2: Um, absolutely. I mean, it comes down to education. That's that's part of the inspiration that I had for Black Label Advisor, and I wanted people to to know that you know they had someone there walking alongside them to help them with their Amazon business. And um, you know, it, it's just unfortunate the the images that are painted. You know, whether it's a video on YouTube with a Ferrari, and it's like you're going to be a millionaire in your first three months of selling on an Amazon. And there's a lot of there's a lot of terrible terrible information out there. And part of what I do with my blog and, and, and consulting clients is helping people understand how, what the reality is and to, and to properly educate them so they can be successful.
0: And so next question. So in terms of fulfilled by Amazon versus having your own fulfillment, um, can you talk us through the pros and cons of each of these and where that might differ for different types of businesses at different stages?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the there's, there's two models. You can do FBM, which is fulfilled by merchant, or FBA, fulfilled by Amazon. Um, and then there's the elephant in the room, which is always the algorithm. So Amazon has an algorithm. There's ultra secret. Um, anyone who says they know anything about the algorithm um, or anything concrete is lying. But the general thing is, if you are using Amazon's tools and using Amazon FBA, which is you send in your inventory to Amazon's warehouses, um, you're going to get a boost in that algorithm naturally. And so anytime you can capture, um, you know, that two day prime badge, um, anytime you're using Amazon's warehouses, they're going to just kind of artificially kind of boost you a little bit in the algorithm. Now, if you're doing fulfilled by merchant, that's basically you have your own warehouse, uh, someone purchases something from you, and then you have an agreement on what that shipping time is. So most of the time, especially with clients, um, that I consult, that's that's really for like very large oversized items. So think think you things like uh, furniture, uh, fridges, you know, large appliances, things like that. Those are types of things that fulfilled by merchant. It is going to make sense because the rest of the competition is fulfilled by merchant as well. So you're not really competing with the algorithm, and that's really to reduce the cost of uh, warehousing. So Amazon's fees can can really skyrocket and hit you hard if you're using them for oversized products. But for the rest of the market, which the vast majority of people are not selling oversized products, uh, FBA is king. Um, I'd say 98%, 99% of my clients use FBA. Um, And that's just the nature of the beast. You know, you get automatic two-day shipping. Sometimes, depending on your city, you get one-day shipping. And that's all because your inventory is stored at Amazon. So um, it's it's still the gold standard of fulfillment. And uh, a lot of people, actually, um, including myself, uh, use the MCF program. So people will go to your Shopify site and they'll purchase something from you, thinking that you know it's going to come from some other warehouse. Like they're not thinking they're buying from Amazon. When in reality, you're still fulfilling from Amazon. So there's that program there that kind of ties your Shopify inventory uh, to your um, Amazon inventory. So really, they're one, and the customer doesn't realize it. Um, so that's a really cool, uh, tool that people use. And then, you know, people do fulfill using their own warehouses. Um, some people are just, they just don't want to be tied to Amazon. They don't want to deal with the inventory issues on Amazon, which, you know, some of it's justified everything from, you know, lost inventory to, um, you know, damage inventory. So things like that, um, are rare and that's really more part of a branding strategy of just not being tied to Amazon at all so
1: you talked about the uh, the the eponymous algorithm and uh, how everyone seems to be obsessed with thinking they know how it works um i've always been intrigued by it because i've found some kind of misconceptions where people think the cheapest product price when there's multiple options always wins but that's not the case so in, no in fba how much harder is it to win the buy box when you don't have fba and you aren't prime eligible
2: Um, it's, so there's, there's a couple models. You can actually not be prime eligible and still be doing FBA. So it it depends if you're doing private label or, or reselling and wholesaling. So if you're reselling, like let's say you're, you you know, you bought a hundred packs of Legos at, at a local Walmart or Target, and you're putting that on a listing uh, that listing might have an existing 10 sellers and you're competing on price. Um, that's that's a whole different selling model. Um, that, that That's a whole different industry. And that's not where I specialize in, but on private label, uh, whether you're doing FBM or FBA, uh, you have total control over buy box and no one else is allowed to sell because you're selling a branded customized packaging, uh, trademark product, uh, brand registered product, um, so that's never that's never really an issue. Um, if you're selling your own idea, your own product.
1: I get you. So you don't work with businesses where they're competing from a, a kind of I guess it's a lot of wholesale trying to do it on branded yeah,
2: items. I, yeah, because there's there's really not there's not a lot to consult on for for that because you're you have no you have no control of the intellectual property of that product. So even if it's like a, like say like Nike shoes or Adidas. Um, you know, you're you're simply buying it from a wholesaler or from a closeout sale at a store and it's coming to your house, you're relabeling those products, and then you're sending that back into Amazon. Well, you know, you have to compete with everyone else that has access to that, and you have no control whatsoever to the buy box. So the buy that buy box is tied to your seller's history, um, and and it is tied to the lowest price. Um, private label, um, you're never competing for the buy box and you could be the number one seller in your category. And let's say uh, you're selling, um, let's say uh, plant pots. So let's say you have a really high-end ceramic pot and um, you are the highest price, Um because your quality is so high, because the design is so unique, because your branding is just beautiful, and you have strong reviews, you could be the the top seller by far on those metrics alone. Yeah. So that's that's where private label uh, just really shines.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Amazon advertising is essential for business growth scale. I mean, it's obviously where they're they're starting to ramp up their their income. What what have you learned? Like right? what what are the tips? What works well, and where should people focus?
2: Absolutely, you know, I've, I get that question a lot. You know, should I spend money on you know social media? Should I spend it on Google Ads? But the reality is, is that if you are selling on Amazon, you should be spending um, a, a, an immense amount of money on PPC ads, and so that's just part of the beast. Um, that that is also tied to the algorithm. So anytime um, you're spending more on, on Amazon's PPC. Um, you're going to get a boost in rankings, um, that's tied to, you know, that's also showing Amazon that customers on Amazon are clicking your ad and they're purchasing. And so they're going to give you a higher organic search rank. So, um, it's, it's extremely critical to spend from day one. And that's actually part of my launch strategy with, with clients is right from the get go. I understand you got zero reviews, but guess what? You have a beautiful product. You have beautiful packaging. Um, you have a great brand story. Um, you know everything. Everything is just looking fantastic on your listing, and you're going to get sales. So, just on beautiful photography alone, you're going to get sales from those from the money that you spend on PPC. So, bringing eyeballs. Uh, to your listing from day one is critical. And then those people most likely are going are to leave uh, reviews. So, you know, you'll get anywhere from, you know, two to 10% review rate just from your PPC sales. Um, and that's also boosting your rankings across the board. Um, anytime you can make a sale, uh, whether it's PPC or organic, um, that's going to show up in Amazon's backend, and then that goes into the algorithm, and then gives you a boost. So uh, PPC from day one, and never turning it off. So a lot of people play games, like trying to turn it off in the mid-afternoon. You should leave it on twenty-four seven. Never touch it. Um, and then my biggest recommendation, actually, is to outsource to an agency uh, from from as you know, pretty much as soon as you can, as soon as it makes financial sense. As a business owner, PPC. It soaks up so many hours of your time. It's also one of my regrets is waiting so long to outsource that. So once I gave it up, I had hours every single day that I could, you know, shift over to other tasks like product innovation or new uh, products that I wanted to launch. Um, and let let the big boys do it. You know, these agencies are fantastic what they do. Um, there's a couple I recommend. And you know, once you have them managing it hundred percent. Um, it's a beautiful thing because they're just they're just going to be better than you at Amazon PPC. That's literally all they do. And um, the agencies that you can really trust are are ones where you can talk to the owner on the phone and get a good understanding of their experience and and how they you know run their agency. A lot of people use AI and software, and then the really really strong agencies use a combination of both. So you'll you'll have people logging in uh, throughout the day, looking at your PPC ads on top of using software. So that's, that's really the best, the best type of agency to look for.
0: And and when it comes to the kind of paid side of Amazon itself, um, can you really succeed without a big budget? Like, you know, how, how much can you realistically achieve with smaller budgets?
2: Um, you know that that's all over the map they, that's very category dependent um so just going back i started with five thousand dollars um you know a lot of people still start with between five and ten thousand dollars that's kind of like the general range uh, to start with um you know it's all about whatever capital you can invest the more capital you invest from the beginning the faster you're gonna grow and the larger you're gonna grow so um you know, it's, it's definitely correlated with your initial capital investment. So someone who starts with 25 grand, um, they're, they're just going to grow significantly faster because they can, you know, have larger PPC budgets, they can launch more products. Um, but you know, people shouldn't be scared just because their budget's smaller. Um, I work with clients that have smaller budgets as well, and, and they're doing fantastic. So it's not, it's not about uh, your initial, you know, budgeted, budgeted capital amount. It's more about um, just being patient. And if you are starting small, like I did, um, you know, I went from $5,000 investment to doing over 100000 my first year. And then my second year, I did over a million. So it can scale very, very fast. Um, so it's it's kind of all over the map.
1: I've got a uh, sorry tangential question that just popped into my head on conversations I yeah. have with other small businesses where there's a bit of a fear um, around Amazon white-labelling product ranges that they see really properly because they obviously have so much data when people are, are just selling through the marketplace and yeah. doing all the FBA stuff. Is, is this a valid concern or is it something that is just not really Amazon's focus to, to take the products into their own inventory?
2: Um, are you talking about like Amazon taking uh, business owners' ideas and selling similar products?
1: Yeah, so they basically they white label and go right. Okay, well nappies is working fine. We'll create our own branded batteries. We'll create our own branded version.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, the word of advice on that is, and I, and when I, you know, consult people, I do encourage them to target uh, products that are doing under a hundred thousand dollars a month. And the reason why is because Amazon is not really going to mess with products that are doing low revenue. So they're, they're targeting, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and higher. And, um, that is, that is a reality though. So people need to understand if you're going to go for products that are that glitzy, for example, like the standing desk, you know, Amazon came out with their, their own standing desk. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have it, you're haven't. you competing with Amazon. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Amazon is going to, you know, potentially manipulate uh, PPC ads to benefit them. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon is known to, you know, break their own rules uh, for their benefit, but they would punish you as a seller if you broke their rules. So that is a uh, danger out there. But Amazon really focuses on extremely, I'll call them like sexy products where the revenue is just so big. Um, that's what they're going for. It's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like taxes, like, like the IRS in America, they don't go for like small people. They're going for like the big fish because that's their biggest return. So it's, it's kind of similar to that. Amazon's really focused on that. And as long as you're, you know, not like going into a category where the revenues are that high, um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too worried about it.
0: And um, you've mentioned uh, kind of tools and third parties a few times in some of your answers. Um, what are some of the technologies that you rate when it comes to kind of automating
2: uh, any aspect of Amazon? Absolutely. So we covered uh, PPC um, agencies. So that's something that you would outsource. Um, there is another software that's fantastic uh, called Century Kit. And so um, there's another one uh, that I recommend. It's called AMZ Alert. Um, basically what those softwares do is they, um, allow you to be hands-off in terms of, you know, you don't have to go log into your account every single day and do a self audit. And so by self audit, I mean, you're going and looking at your listings to make sure all your pictures are there, make sure your title hasn't been messed with, make sure your your back-end keywords are still the same. Um, and so what the software does, it's scanning 24 seven, um, every single one of your listings and every single time. Um there's an issue with a listing, it could be Amazon. Amazon's notorious for this too. They'll just they will just remove your pictures and for no apparent reason. So all of a sudden your listing's suppressed. Um so the software, it let's like, say let's say you have a hundred SKUs, that's gonna be a huge pain to kind of manage that. And so the software does this through AI, and uh you'll get a, an email alert with all the details, you know, whether it's a you know, is there a hijacker in your listing? Um, are the pictures gone? Um, is your title, has your title been shortened? So it, it basically is scanning things constantly and then alerting you. Um, and then another, um, uh, another thing that people, um, don't use, but should be using, um, is a tool called cash Cow pro. And it's just a really great tool for, um, uh, keeping track of your net profit on products. So, you know, that, that's taking into account your FBA fees and your PPC clicks and um, just having a strong understanding of where you are financially. And uh, that's also useful for forecasting uh, with inventory. Um, unfortunately, forecasting inventory is still generally a um, pretty manual thing. There's a lot of gut instinct that's involved with that. Uh, just understanding your product line, understanding your seasons um, and, you know, making your purchase orders um, in a smart way. Um so yeah ho- hopefully that's um uh, ho- those are you know useful tools for the readers uh, listeners right now right um and there's been a bit of a trend recently
0: of big brands pulling away from Amazon and then focusing on kind of going direct to their own consumer um do you see this continuing and is this something that you've seen
2: um yes and no i mean it depends on the brand so you know some some brands um, Amazon is, it, is never going to be their, um, end all. And so for example, right now I'm working with a client who, um, their, their end all is to get into brick and mortar, specifically targets, Walmart, stores like that, and, uh, really focus on wholesaling, uh, to small businesses, but to prove their concept and to develop a strong, um, revenue source, they, they went to Amazon first. So, um, you know, there's that type of strategy and then there's brands that have been in Amazon forever um, who are, you know, experiencing things like inventory limits um, and, and lots of um, competitors from China specifically where they're undercutting like 50%. Um, you know, those are real issues. And um, I, I'd say it's split kind of 50-50. Some big brands are, are leaving. Um, a lot are staying just for brand presence because if you're not an Amazon, you know I can't even tell you, you know, all of my neighbors, every single person I know. It's it's kind of part of the American um, lifestyle in a way. You know, you, everyone has an Amazon app now, and so um, that's also you know something brands have to think about is are you willing to give up that that instant access? And so brands that are staying and maybe are getting hit financially, um, they're okay with that. Possibly smaller uh, net profit margin, uh, but they're staying for the big picture of, of spreading their brand's image.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an it's an interesting dilemma. I've seen several brands in different stages or different sizes going through the the frustrations with with Amazon and how rigid they can be sometimes. But equally, the sheer scale of the marketplace and the exposure to the customers and tapping into the prime and prime days, et cetera. It's, it's, it's a really interesting balance for, for how much you put into Amazon versus how much you put into your own channel.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely
1: and kind of linked to this unauthorized sellers we, we kind of talked about earlier um they're the bane of many vendors lives like people coming in who are either illegally selling or aren't allowed to sell and they're undercutting on price and, and destroying the brand's ability to get the, the margins they want how how are, are unauthorized sellers even allowed to sell that being interesting point to how do they get on there but what can a business do to combat it as well
2: yeah, so that's that's a that's a that's a big question that comes up quite often with my clients, and it comes down to the tools that exist on Amazon. So, uh, you know, step one is trademark. Uh, make sure you have intellectual property protection for the brand. Um, step two would be something like a design patent. So, if you have a unique product and you don't want, you know, uh, the rest of overseas sellers, you know, undercutting you on your on your pricing. Uh, what you could do is just protect your unique product idea um, 100% across the board. So that would give you ultimate protection because Amazon takes that very seriously. And it's within 24 hours, Amazon will remove any seller that's infringing on a design patent. Um, and then you have things like Project Zero, uh, where um, you can sign up for that program. And uh, you need to have your trademark and everything for that and brand registry um, project zero allows you to remove any unauthorized, um, uh, seller on your listing, uh, almost immediately. And so that, that comes down to, um, you know, sellers possibly, uh, maybe they bought some products off of eBay. A lot of, a lot of private label sellers, um, you know, they had, they, they have, um, uh, mirror images of their listings, uh, on eBay. And so, um, you know sometimes there's people who have maybe 10 units of your product in hand uh sometimes it's it's a ghost software which uh kind of like mimics that there's inventory and it's and sometimes the seller is set up as fbm on your listing um and so that's typically they're they're shipping from overseas but maybe the customer will never get that product and there's there's always those weird um hijacker type black hat stuff that happens um, but project zero is fantastic. And then even through brand registry, um, you know, you can, you can submit a, a, trademark infringement claim. You can submit a copyright claim, uh, you can submit an inauthentic claim. And so those are really effective as well. Uh, because, you know, if you, if you control your listing and you design your listing and you control the trademark, um, you can tell Amazon, look, this person's selling and, you know, they, they're not going to get the same warranty. Because that whoever sold that product is not the brand owner, so you know whatever you whatever warranty you're offering on your product listing, they're not going to be able to uh, to come through with. And then also, how do you how do you uh, make sure the safety of the product is there? You know, so anytime you can tell Amazon this is a risk to Amazon customers, it's very effective for getting those hijackers removed.
1: Excellent. And uh, in terms of that Project Zero, stuff,
2: where, where's the uh, where are the
1: good resources? Do you have resources on your on your site to, to guide people through what that is and how they use it, or is there a is it just going to Amazon and, and reading up on their own information?
2: Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. I, I mean, I do help clients with it, uh, but really is once you're enrolled in Project Zero, um, you can submit a claim uh, to Amazon and and explain that you know this this is an un- unauthorized user or seller. And Amazon will remove it pretty quick. Um, and then, if you don't get access to Project Zero, because not it's not the, it's not the entire market that has access to that program, um, uh, you can still use brand registry tools like copyright infringement or inauthentic uh, claims, things like that. Um, and then, you know, the other option too is getting a lawyer involved. And so if someone is really um, undercutting you on price. And they're selling a ton of units, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, they have the buy box. Um, you can get a lawyer involved. You can send them a cease and desist letter, um, and and you know, a potential lawsuit for things like that. So there, there's all sorts of options. Um, at the end of the day, um, it's important to defend your intellectual property, to defend your Amazon listing, and and to fight for it.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Final question for me. the the classic devil's advocate one. So being dependent on Amazon for all your business revenue is a big risk. Being dependent on any single channel, whether you're fully dependent on like Google paid search, for example, because when businesses change policies, uh, cost models, algorithms, etc., it can massively impact you. How do you advise people to mitigate this risk?
2: Uh, To grow outside of Amazon as, as, as fast and as soon as you can. So what that looks like for most sellers that I consult um, they are looking at other marketplaces as well as expanding on Amazon. So Amazon is the king. There's no, there's no denying that. But um, if you look at um, Walmart's growth, they're growing really, really fast. So if your product makes sense for Walmart, definitely sell on Walmart. If it makes sense for Etsy, uh, if it makes sense for eBay, eBay is kind of a quiet uh, marketplace. Um, and then um, really shifting a lot of your attention to Shopify site Focusing on your branding, your media assets and making sure that looks amazing Um, and and then bringing your social media traffic, um, whether it's Instagram ad or Facebook ad to your Shopify site to make sales there. Um, Your margins are going to be naturally higher there as well, because, you know, you're not having to pay Amazon ever the referral fee. So referral fees, you know, go from 15% and up and, you know, anytime you can reduce your costs that way, um, that's a huge boost. And then, and then as you grow, uh, your email list, um, that's a marketing tool for the long-term as well, because there's nothing on Amazon that allows you to have an email list. So you don't get any customer data. Um, it's, you are selling a product and see you later. I mean, that's, that's the relationship at Amazon. So any traffic you bring to your Shopify site and you're capturing their your email, it's just a beautiful thing because you can you can give special discount codes to those people. They become a strong reviewer base for you. Um, they um, are fantastic um, for you know special sales, whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Father's Day, and in um, blasting that out um, to your to your list. Um, so that's the strategy that I would take: is expanding into other markets as soon as you can. And then in, in, and then, obviously not snoozing on um, international markets as well. So I sold in uh, Japan and Australia and in the UK. So anytime you can expand within Amazon's ecosystem internationally, um, that can be a slam dunk as well.
1: Fantastic. That's um, that's answered all the questions I want to go through today. Paul, is there anything else that you want to do to, to ask? I don't you?
0: think so. Yeah, it's really broad um, interview. Yeah, loads of topics covered. Really interesting area that I actually don't know too much about, to be honest. So, yeah, really good episode.
1: Well, yeah. I find it was fascinating as well because it's just so fast changing uh, and there's just so much detail uh, in terms of getting it right. So, look, John, thanks, thanks for coming on and sharing a ton of useful advice and insights. It's been enjoyable. Um, how's, your, how's your experience of Re-platform been?
2: I see. you was kind of breaking up that last part. Can you, can you repeat that question?
1: Oh, the joys of internet. I'll read I'll you the question. Okay. Um, yeah. So, John, thanks for joining us uh, and for sharing all that useful advice and insights. We've enjoyed it. How's it been for you today?
2: Uh, it's been fantastic. It was just so great to share the story of, you know, growing on Amazon and just, you know, talking about some of the realities and struggles of Amazon, but also overcoming them. So it's just, it's been a pleasure to be on today.
1: And if people are interested in learning more, you know, throwing around some ideas or even talk to you about a project, how do they reach out?
2: Uh, yeah, so you can reach out. I have a contact form on my website, blacklabeladvisor.com. And uh, if you want to um, connect on Twitter, it's uh, BL underscore advisor. Uh, and then email is J-O-N-E-L-D-E-R at blacklabeladvisor.com. And uh, feel free to just reach out, contact me, um, even if it's like a random question. I help people, um, even though they're not clients. So uh, feel free to reach out.
1: Fantastic. Uh, And thanks again, everyone, for listening. Keep an eye out for next week's episode. Um, We're going to be continuing our uh, interesting series on e-commerce by a dive into China with the agency experts, Highlink. Uh, and do subscribe if you haven't already, and we'd also love a cheeky rating if you're listening to our songs on like Apple or Spotify. Helps us to get the visibility of the podcast even even higher. So thank you very much.